down Poinsettia, chapter 11. Poinsettia. Beatrice decided we were going to have our wedding right there in the courtyard of the Alta Vista Apartments the weekend following her return from Denmark. So needless to say, the following week was pretty busy. She went down and spoke with the manager of the building, and, well, it was agreed we'd trade our vows right next to the swimming pool, which was kind of close to the hot tub gazebo area. Yeah. I got the license. I got fitted for the tux, kind of, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't really a fitting, but, hey, thanks to Beatrice's neighbor, Ricardo, who lived downstairs of us. Yeah, I got a tux. Not really a tux, but a super fucking nice suit. <laughs> Ricardo was a 30-something-year-old single Latin guy who lived directly below us. Even though I was only 19, Rick, as I called him, was pretty cool. Hey, he was always good to me. Nice person. Made excellent fucking menudo. Yeah. All them nights drinking with B's dad, man, we get so fucked up, my head just be killing me. Sometimes, you know, Rick, he'd come up and drink with us. And well, then he'd call the next day. Hey, I'm making menudo. Get your ass down here. <laughs> Yeah, nothing better for bedheaded fellow after a night of cabaret than a nice big bowl of menudo, fresh. Anyway, Rick was such a nice guy, he, um, he gave me one of his super fly silk tuxes that he had in his closets for me to wear on my own wedding. I was only a few inches taller than Rick, so it fit, really, perfectly. Beatrice, on the other hand, bought herself a $3,000 wedding dress. That's right. $3,000 wedding dress with full veil and tail. Oh, my God. $3,000 was a lot of fucking money. It was a tad bit of cash. And, yeah, she paid cash for it. I honestly remember thinking to myself, God, I hope she keeps it in case she has to use it again. I, of course, wasn't allowed to see her try it on. So uh, me and her dad, well, we bought a case and, yeah. Got shit-faced watching TV while the ladies are in the master bedroom trying it on. You know, Jenny was in there with, you know, Kim and Mom and everybody. I could hear them arguing. I could hear them cackling, laughing, and gushing. <laughs> Be insistent on being absolutely naked underneath that dress. And, hey, with that body, fuck yeah, that was fine by me. These sisters are made her honor. Jenny was a uh, bridesmaid along with, with another one of Rosemary's girls who showed up. Brittany. <laughs> That's right. I'd met Brittany at Rosemary's time or two. Matter of fact, I think she was one of the girls at Rosemary drugged back there when I was painting the bathroom. She was really a smoking hot little mid-figured built 20-something-year-old with bleach blonde hair, dimpled face, and round butt. I mean, she was a cutie. I didn't even know her real fucking name or anything, and, well, fuck, I didn't even know her. <laughs> but for reasons I still can't explain... We kissed in the elevator on the way down to the fucking ceremony. Yeah. She was walking me down. I was going down, you know, ahead of the bride and everybody. And it was just, I'd been in Rick's apartment before the wedding. And while well, I was heading down and Brittany just happened to be on the elevator. And as soon as the elevator doors closed, she stood in front of me. And okay, I just grabbed her and we kissed. Just one time. That's all that happened. I write it off as just being young. Beatrice had the entire ceremony choreographed to the T. She had us all standing over there between the gazebo and the swimming pool. Be had even worked out the musical arrangements for the ceremony. It wasn't the Fifth Symphony, but hey, 
El Paso James, her gay roommate, busted out his Marshall half stack along with his electric guitar, rolled it out on the tenant's patio behind the minister. I don't know where B found the minister. I really don't. Boy, he was up there in age. He really was. He looked like, you know, the ghost face of Oz and Wizard of Oz. I mean, I'm okay with elderly as long as he didn't fucking stroke out and fall through those folks' nice sliding patio door. I remember him saying that it was his last service before what looked like it was a long-awaited retirement. Yeah, he was pretty old, but he said this is going to be his last service. And I don't know. It's just upsetting that this man of the cloak, his career to go out on a fucking sham wedding with, you know, gay El Paso James on guitar. Anyway, the uh, courtyard was partially decorated with streamers. James, this bushy black hair held up by a bandana, wearing a t-shirt, shorts, and guitar, was tuned and ready. B's mom would give me the signal. She was back behind the elevator with Beatrice and Harvey, her husband, B's dad. Half drunk, drunk. We was waiting on the signal from Beatrice's mom. Cardinal and I were sitting there looking around the courtyard. Man, there's a lot of half-naked asses. Every fucking window, half-naked, drunk, young tenants. They filled every balcony window throughout the entire complex. It was a sight. It really was. For this? Really? I mean, there's a part of me that just wanted to shout out, Hey, you fucking morons, you know this is fake, right? <laughs> Beatrice's mom gave the signal they were ready. James started wailing. Here comes the Reaper or some shit on his guitar. I can't remember. My God, Harvey was so fucking drunk. He could hardly walk his daughter out from the hall by the elevator. Since we got up that morning, he'd been pounding fucking beers. And I, just to do him a solid, I ran up and got him another 12-pack. And I think he fucking drank that too. <laughs> I'm sorry. Harvey come out. He was smiling ear to ear when they walked. I mean, he stumbled out of that hall. B looked really pissed. Beatrice was, you know, here she was in this $3,000 full veil dress, this long tail. I think her mom was holding up. He wouldn't stop laughing. I think that's what pissed Beatrice off the most. I mean, Ricardo and I, we were standing side by side, dressed in our fucking black suits and sunglasses on, looking more like the Irish-Mexican mob than wedding attendants. But we... <laughs> Hey, shoulder to shoulder, we stood, watching as Harvey stumbled and B growled, cinching her arm up under his armpit to keep him upright. Oh, she was fucking hot. He was, he was plastered. She was steaming. When they stepped up to where we were standing, B was so fucking mad, she lifted her own veil, pointed for her dad to kiss her and where to kiss her on the cheek. Yeah. Then turned herself around. And the world-famous beer-drinking Danish Harvey, eh, who I'd call a friend, well, he faded off into black. It's too bad he didn't fall in the pool. Ah, fuck it. Maybe in the next life. After the wedding, we had a, um, well, a limousine reception. That's right. For the record, it was uh, my first time ever in a limousine. At least the best of my recollection. 
Limo driver is nice. His name was John. Tall, slender fellow with brown hair, glasses. We hopped in the limousine, me, B, and Jenny, her sister, bridesmaid. Brittany, everybody was there. And everybody except Harvey stayed up in the apartment and passed out. But it's unfortunate Beatrice thought it would be cool to go ahead and wear her wedding dress for a night on the town. You see, after the wedding... Ricardo and me, we took our, you know, suits off and we kept our nice pants on and the dress shirts on and shit, but we, you know, we toned it down a bit. Everybody toned it down except B. Yeah. She insisted on wearing that $3,000 dress along with the fucking veil. Okay. Yeah. Now her mom and her sister did talk her into leaving the tail at home, but she wore the veil. That's right. That means every fucking place we went that night, free champagne booze, you name it. We paid for nothing. You know, in hindsight, that might have been her fucking plan. First stop, Formosa Cafe for a late supper. We were all hungry. We were all half lit. We climbed out of the limousine. John waited outside with it. We stepped inside, and I'll never forget the look on Lim's face. By then, I was a regular alcoholic there, and one day I just walked in with the bride. And, well, we had never been in the place together at all, and so he was shocked when he saw her. Yeah. He comped a bottle or two. I can't remember what, but that's how the night started. Dinner at Formosa. Limo carried us up the strip, heading out west. God, the champagne was really going to my fucking head. Viz... As embarrassing and over-the-top as it was, I just didn't give a shit. We had a blast. I stuck my head out out of the sunroof, yeah, like a fucking dork. I Say whatever you want. Yeah. I was 19. I was on Sunset Street, Hollywood, Saturday night. Fuck this. I stuck my head out of the sunroof. I was a kid. Love I was a loser in a fucking limo, okay? I was a loser in a limo. I was quite comfortable with being a loser in a limo. And that's why I flipped everybody. didn't start until after uh, we dropped B's folks off the apartment. She instructed our driver to take us to the whiskey. Ah, you didn't know what band was playing. I mean, the whiskey's all right, but it's not all that. At least I didn't think it was. I'd been there before with Mark and Jessica. If you didn't know who the fucking band was, who gives a shit? Let's go to the rainbow. Anyway. Everywhere we went, he was in that wedding dress, that's right, and we got free drinks, and she was fucking plastered. I, too, had been drinking, but like I say, when that champagne started getting a hold of me, eh, I backed off, you know? I mean, I I knew I'd have to fuck me later that evening, and, well, I had sense enough to not get too torn up, you know? I'd like to remember it. So, we get to the club, we go in. And as usual, she was getting fussed over by all the patrons. 
club manager gave us a table, real nice table. Yeah, right in front of the stage, in front of the shitty band. Anyway, the drinks started flowing. I mean, the drink, she was already fucked up, and here they come. I, I had a drink or two, I think, but I, I laid off. I really did. B was guzzling that shit down. Everything as they come down, she was drinking. Yeah, I was getting worried. I mean, I slowed down. I even declined a couple offers. Hey, guys, thanks, man. I can't drink anymore. Thank you. God, you're awesome. Drink it yourself. I can't do it. But here comes trouble. About that time, what were the chances? Two girls I'd previously previously worked with on a movie, a couple of movies, they recognized me, and they came over to the table. I knew their faces. I think she's Latina, one of the gals. Her name was Tony. We had spent the night together, um, platonically, but beyond that, nothing nothing happened between us. I couldn't even remember what movie we had worked on. But anyway, they were just as drunk as B, so when they stepped up, Brett! They lay over the top of me, started hugging, kissing, asking about Barrick, of course. <laughs> I tried to introduce him to Beatry, and Beatry acknowledged him for a quick second. Like, hi, hi. Ooh, B didn't like that. I could tell she was getting hot, but it, still, I didn't want to be rude. I'd work with these ladies. By the time I got him to leave, and it only took a couple of minutes, I swear to God, a couple of minutes, and they were gone. Well, I turned around. B wasn't at the table with the manager giving us up in front of the shitty band anymore. Fuck. I stood up and I looked around the club. Where the fuck did she go? I said out loud to myself. I mean, that dress, you could see her in the club anywhere. She's six foot tall. Nearby reveler shouted, She went outside, man! Oh, shit. Thanks! I shouted back. Immediately, I marched outdoors. The limo was parked right out front. There was John. Oh, shit. Hey, John, I said, stepping outside. Where's V? She's in the back, he replied, opening the door. Got in. B was sitting in the middle of the back seat. I took the seat facing the rear of the car directly across from him. John got in and he, well, he started driving west on sunset. Really? I could tell B was crying, but, well, I knew why. It was the girls. It wasn't a big deal, though. They were just drunk. She was drunk. It, Things were getting out of hand. I rubbed her shoulder. B, what's wrong, hon? I asked soothingly. In the blink. In the blink of a fucking eye. She raised up and all that taekwondo practice B had taken to get her fucking belts. She used on my face and punched me square in the fucking mouth. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. My new bride had a fucking right hook like you wouldn't believe. Holy shit. She busted my fucking lip open. Yeah. I was a bleeder. Immediately I spun around in the seat. Hold that fucking divider up, John. Rolling up! The divider went up. I turned back to B. Bitch, have you lost your fucking mind? Are you trying to get your ass shipped back to Denmark in a fucking box? I was so hot, I immediately banged on the divider. John, roll the fucking divider down. Pull over. 
No, I didn't hit back. You know, B being a black belt in Taekwondo, had I hit her back, she really would have fucked me up. Yeah. I walked back to Alta Vista Apartments and cooled off. She was fucking drunk, and I ducked behind a couple of buildings and saw the limo pass up and down the strip looking for me a few times. It was like the only limo out that night, so who gives a shit? What did this happen? It was the typical over-the-top, amazingly shit-faced outburst of a woman scorned. I don't know what the fuck I did. I guess I fucked up our shammed marriage, didn't I? God, what a prick I am. Um, shit. Well, the two women who had approached me at the bar had unintentionally, I guess, threatened drunk B, and I chewed her ass for being so fucking stupid. We made up. I went to the hotel. We had drunk sex, and I got to listen to her puke all night. The end. It was really that simple. <laughs> Things immediately after the wedding are pretty uneventful. One night that sticks out in my head, though, stays with me even to this day. I used to go stand up on top of B's building by myself all the time. I mean, I still called it B's building. I mean, I, I didn't feel like it was mine, you know. I mean, I wasn't home. I was, you know. Anyway, I'm standing there. Up on the roof by myself early one evening. Looking out south to the horizon as far as I could see. It was just an ocean of apartment buildings, homes, businesses. I stood there with my foot up on that fucking ledge just taking it in. But I was so consumed. I couldn't stop thinking about her. I mean, I'd been eavesdropping on some, you know, Beatrice's conversations giving any indication that Michelle might be back in town. I didn't know if she was still in Maryland or not, you know. I didn't want to call. I didn't want to call the number. I still had the, the Mickey's box, yeah, the torn-up Mickey's box. I still had that with her number on it, and it was tucked under the carpet and the padding in the corner of our master bedroom. Yeah, that's where I was hiding it. I had it fucking written on the sole of my shoe, too, but there was no way I could call the number from the fucking house. I decided I'd have to make the call from an outside line, give me plausible deniability in case I made the phone call and Michelle hadn't really wanted me after all. And if it pissed her off that I had her number, if I had her number, holy shit, I could really piss her off. And if she um, told Rosemary, Rosemary would definitely tell B and then, yeah, I could be in real shit. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I had leverage now. I was a married man. That was the shit going through the mind of a 19-year-old, okay? 19-year-olds should not think this way. <laughs> but that's what I thought. You know why I thought that way? Felt sorry for myself. As far as I could see, it's just an ocean of apartment buildings, houses, shit, and all I could think about was her. I wonder what she was doing at that very moment. I wondered if she thought of me like I did her. How mad would she be that I had her phone number? Would I see her again? Fuck it. Swirled the liquor, whatever the shit it was in the glass, and then just let the river go down the throat. I, I actually teared up, and I said, she's out there somewhere. A few days after the wedding, Barrett came down. Well, he 
pick me up so I could go get my car in Hacienda Heights. <laughs> ah, it was good to see my friend again. He drove the the big old white beast. I was even happy to see the fucking van. As a matter of fact, he came in and said hi to B. Yeah. A little bit awkward at first, but are you kidding me? Bear, Mr. Class Act. He walked right in and he said, hello, ma'am. And he hugged and he kissed her. And he said, I'm so happy for you. I just fucking love it when you find a friend that's on the same wavelength. <laughs> About to be invited to spend the night with him in Hacienda Heights. Told me I'd be back in the next morning and we went and jumped in the big white beast that I was happy to see parked out there on Alta Vista and off we went to Hacienda Heights. I think I even rode in one of the fucking yeah, bungee corded lawn chairs in the back. <laughs> That night, Barrick and I put away several bottles of wine sitting on deck chairs in the backyard of his folks' house overlooking that lit-up neighborhood down in the valley. God, Hacienda Heights is beautiful at night. We both had our shoes off, just barefoot out there in the grass. Tal's married life, Barrick mocked. I looked over immediately, gave him the finger. Fuck you, man. He burst into laughter. <laughs> Better than you than me, man. <laughs> he chuckled while his fingers routinely ran through his long blonde strands. I fed you to her, bro. <laughs> Fucking prick. I discoursed. Shut up. <laughs> I let him rub my nose and shit for a little bit before dropping the bombshell. She's a prostitute, man. Wine shot from his nose as he doubled over. I didn't say a word. I just let him laugh. Yeah. <laughs> After the coughing and hacking had subsided, he settled down some, swung his legs over the side of the chair he was sitting in. Why you say that, man? Took a drink, leaned forward, looked him directly in the eye. I'm sorry, Bear. That's okay. His voice seemed to alleviate. Oh, no, no, no. I looked at him and giggled. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm sorry. She's a fucking hooker. <laughs> he laughed, but then the smile left his face. She's a massage therapist, dude. That's, that's right, Barrick. <laughs> I chuckled. But she massaged man penis. That's it. <laughs> Bullshit, Barrick scoffed. I'm not kidding, man. I'm not kidding. I had to break it to him. I filled him in on everything. I told him about my stay at Rosemary's. I told him I'd be a drop me off there. I told him about all the girls, including Michelle, Karen, Jenny, Samantha. I told him about the fight I'd had with Rosemary. I told him about the large amount of cash and credit card receipts always fucking changing hands. Yeah. Upon cluing him in about the ad in the Pac Bell phone book, Bear got up from the deck chair and barefoot wind sprinted into the house. It was dark outside, like 10.30 or something. I can't remember. I was just sitting there finishing off, cleaning off my final glass of wine. I watched Bear burst through the door and run into the dining room, have a brief interaction with his mom. God, Barrick's mom was gorgeous. She had blonde hair, nice full figure, looked like Marilyn Monroe. I mean, she really was a beautiful, fair-skinned woman, gorgeous lady. Anyway, um, the point is, I watched Bear grab a couple bottles of wine out of the wine rack. We drank a lot of their wine that night. They didn't mind, though, though. You know, we were like garbage disposals for alcohol. Um... It was just funny, though, watching Barrett in that lit-up dining room grab that Pac-Bell phone book from one of the phones and thumb through it. 
I told him where to look. He closed the book. He put it back. Well, I couldn't gauge what he had seen until he stepped back outside, and I could see the, yeah. Yeah, that was a disturbed look on his face. Hey, man. What the fuck? He grumbled, walking back over to the deck chairs. I know. What'd your mom say? Oh, nothing. I just feel stupid, man. I pat him on the shoulder and smiled at him. <laughs> yeah, see, I, at first I didn't know to be pissed at you or not. Jesus Christ, he growled, wringing his hands around the back of his neck. I, um, I'm just so blindsided by it. I didn't see it coming at all. They're really prostitutes. Yeah, I began all of them. I mean, even be his friend Jenny. He spilled some of his wine. The little brunette, Jenny. Oh, my God. Hey, take it easy. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I came as a shock to my friend. But at least he was in the clear. Yeah. I was the one that was up in my neck and shit. That's right. See, if it wasn't bad enough to be married to one, I turned around and fell in love with another. I was double whammied, and I told Bear about that, too. I think Bear prayed for me. He never prayed, but he got stoned and prayed for me. Huh. Next morning, Bear helped me get my car running properly. I drove back to Alta Vista, and, well, I parked it in front of the building on the opposite side of the street. I don't think I ever saw it again. It was the last night B's folks are going to be in town before flying back to Denmark. Earlier in the day, I had heard B on the phone talking, I would imagine, to Rosemary. She had mentioned Michelle in the conversation, and what I had heard led me to believe Michelle was back in town from Maryland. Wow. It was the last night B's folks were in town before flying back to Denmark. There was a new Indian restaurant at the corner of Alta Vista and Sunset. We were going out to dinner. We were going to be out away from the apartment. I decided it was the perfect time to make the call. <laughs> when B was in the shower getting ready for dinner, and I was sure that um her sister is in the living room preoccupied doing something, I went in the bedroom real quick, closed the door, ran over, pulled up the corner of the carpet, grabbed my Mickey's cardboard, and shoved it in my back pocket. I was ready to go. I had been collecting change all day. Oh, yeah. I stole change from drunk Carvey. I stole change from... <laughs> I was ready to make the call. But I was also afraid to make the call. I was really... A lot of me was convinced that she was going to get pissed that I had her number. Fuck. It was really going to hurt, and it was going to fuck things up bad if she told Rosemary, you know. I was scared. I really was. That new Indian restaurant, the corner Alta Vista and Sunset, it was between the laundromat and the tea house. It was a little place, but the neighborhood was talking about it. They said the food was Indian cuisine. It was just fucking out of this world, and... Anyway, the whole neighborhood was raving about it, so she wanted to take her folks out there for one last dinner, and so that was the evening we had planned. It was kind of a late dinner. It was hard making reservations to get in there, and I don't even remember if we had reservations. We just went there after dark, okay? To this day, it's 
It's difficult for me to figure out why I decided to pull the trigger that night. I was going to call her, though. I don't know what made that night so special. For the love of God, I, I had money in a motorcycle at any fucking time during the weeks prior. I, I could have simply told B I was going out for a ride, driven over to a mobile gas station near the corner of La Brea, and fucking made the call. I just didn't have the guts, I guess. I mean, for all I knew, she was back with her fiancé. The plaza which housed the uh, restaurant was about, about 50 yards, 100 yards from our building, I guess, so we just walked up. Restaurant sat next to the green tea house facing sunset across the street from good old Ralph's grocery store. As we walked in, I noticed a uh, payphone in the parking lot right out there by the street. I had seen that before when we just come back from the grocery store, and I just wanted to make sure it wasn't out of order, and it wasn't. Perfect. Restaurant was pretty busy. Took him a few minutes to get us a table. I was a little disappointed the girls took the chairs against the wall facing the front of the restaurant. Fuck. Harvey and I sat down facing the opposite direction. I had to get out there to that fucking phone. If Michelle answered and was pissed, I was just going to fucking hang up and deny it was me. Yeah. Fuck. Now it's just going to be tough with them sitting there against the fucking wall. Mom, Kim, and B all sitting there together looking towards the front of their... I mean, it was busy... Well, our drinks soon arrived, and uh, I got the idea. I'm going to take a piss. I got to go to the bathroom. There's a little bathroom, little partition over in front of the door, halfway up the uh, yeah, east side of the restaurant. So, yeah, it's so busy. I could just slip right out the front door, and they might not even see me. I was about to make my move uh, when my already inebriated father-in-law excused himself for a piss. Damn it. Well, I let him go, and I sat there just making small time. My stomach was churning. A couple of minutes passed. Hey, I'm going to use the restroom, too, I said, standing up. I'll check on your dad, B. Okay, baby, she smiled. As I made my way toward the partitioned-off door of the men's room, just as I neared it, Harvey emerged laughing. <laughs> I smiled and smacked him on the shoulder. Go sit down. Anyways, Harvey stepped towards the table. I didn't hesitate. I walked straight out of the restaurant with a group of exiting diners. Just did a walking mix-in with five or six people leaving and stepped out. As soon as I was out and under the cover of darkness, I looked back in the restaurant. B was gabbing away with her mom and her sister. She hadn't even noticed me walking out. The only lights outside were those of passing traffic, neon signs, and the grocery store across the street. It'd make it difficult for him to see me out there next to the payphone, so I didn't worry about it. I just ran out across the parking lot. My biggest concern was Michelle. I was terrified her fiancé might be back in the picture. That was the big thing. My heart was beating so fucking fast as I reached in my pocket, pulling out change. As soon as I had the change out in my hand, I reached in, pulled out the number out of my back pocket. Shit, I was even more terrified she wasn't really interested in me. I mean, that's why I was so nervous about the call, you know? The phone rang several times before somebody picked up. I could hear television in the background. Hello? For the record, Michelle's phone voice was as beautiful as she was. Um, hi, Michelle, I whimpered nervously. Immediately, she lit up like a Christmas tree. Hi, how are you? 
Ooh. Her response surprised the fuck out of me. Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I exhaled, somewhat relieved. I was wondering if you're ever going to call me, she giggled cheerfully. I rubbed my eyes while leaning against the phone booth. Yeah, I wanted to. I I didn't have your number. I explained I had to steal it from Rosemary. <laughs> she laughed. Didn't see you take it, did she? Absolutely not, I said, turning to face Sunset Boulevard. She laughed and took a breath. So are you a married man? Yeah, we're married, I sighed, nodding my head, looking back in at the restaurant. Can't believe I actually went through it, though. Why? She inquired. Oh, you know. I mean, the motorcycle is nice. B buys me clothes and is real nice, I explained. I, I don't know, you know, uncomfortable sometimes. Why? She asked, sounding even more puzzled over the phone. I was just brought up different. This whole fucking around with getting married shit is weird, especially just because you're trying to stay in the country. Wait a minute, she announced. You two aren't really together? I shook my head next to the phone booth. No, fuck no. I protested dismissively. Absolutely not. By now, Michelle was howling. Oh, my God, she convulsed. Rosemary told me you two were in love and a couple. Hell no, I contested, glancing around the phone booth. Rosemary's a fucking liar. My God, she yelled on the back of a laugh. Once again, I leaned forward on the booth. Yeah, I know. I'm a fucking idiot. No, you're not, Michelle contested. Hey, when are you going to come see me? I'm getting ready to sit down and have dinner with my new in-laws. I barked as traffic passed behind me. Do you want me to? Yeah, she said I do. I mean, you don't have to, but no, 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 no. I spoke, cutting her off. I, I, uh... I just don't know where you live. Oh, she proclaimed. I live in West Hollywood. My shoulders shrunk as I grabbed the top of the phone booth so as not to fall over. West Hollywood? I asked, totally astonished. Yeah, she continued. Over on Poinsettia. The only streets I was familiar with at that time in West Hollywood were the larger avenues like La Brea, Highland, Sunset, Santa Monica. I'd never heard of Poinsettia, let alone been on it. But it didn't matter. If she was in West Hollywood, she was close. Yeah, within walking distance. If even a bee took my motorcycle from me. Oh my God, Michelle, Bee lives in West Hollywood. I I live in West Hollywood. You do? She asked. I couldn't stop smiling. Yeah, I'm just not sure where Poinsettia is. Oh, she commenced. It's um right off Sunset, over by Ralph's. At that very moment, if someone had struck me in the head with a shovel, I doubt I would have noticed. Ralph's? Ralph's grocery store? I asked a little stunned. Yeah, she said. It, like, runs right in front of it. Immediately, for the first time since living in the fucking neighborhood, I started looking up at the arching street lamp which hung over Sunset Boulevard in front of Ralph's. The large white block letters on a blue placard hanging from the pole clearly said, Poinsettia P.L. You've got to be fucking kidding me, I mumbled. What? She asked over the phone. I shook my head in absolute disbelief. Michelle, I'm standing right in front of Ralph's. Right here, Ralph's, right now, on Poinsettia and Sunset, right on the damn street. Really? She said, laughing. 
Yeah, I answered, throwing my hand in the air. Well, run down here and say hi to me, she said invitingly. Immediately, I looked down the street. All I could see was lanterns and lights and little shit in front of the yeah entryways of a lot of buildings. I would, Michelle, but we're getting ready to have dinner. Um, You know, well, just come down real quick. I'll come out front so you know what building I'm in, she insisted. Okay, Michelle, I said, glancing around the phone booth. I'll see you in a second. Bye, she replied before hanging up. I pushed the plunger of the phone down with my free hand and watched as B's family carried on inside. I'd already been outside for several minutes and B was pretty damn impatient. I looked back at B. He was eating. It was now or never. I didn't even hang up the phone. I just heard it. Bang against the box, and I dropped the receiver and went bombing down the street, running as fast as I could. If you need a friend, don't look to a stranger. You know, in the end, I'll always be there. And when you're in doubt, when you're in danger, take a look all around, and I'll be there. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. I promise. I know they don't sound the way I plan them to be. But if you wait around a while, I'll make you fall for me. That's going to wrap it up for Bombing Down Poinsettia here on the Stan the Joke Man Show. Make sure you tune in next week, same time, 8 p.m. for Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 12. Stan the Joke Man Show will be back on Friday, high noon. Until then, my friends, bye, Candios, me, me, go. Sometimes if I shout, it's not what's intended. These words just come out. No cross to bear. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. I know they don't.